0: You're listening to Curated Consciously, your all in one platform for navigating and nurturing your conscious living journey. Why? Because diving into environmental justice comes with heartache and a lot of damn work. We gotta do it, but as a community, we can make the load a little lighter. Every week, we're bringing you stories, insight, and wisdom. From a diverse community of leaders, activists, and influencers, helping you live a more holistic lifestyle that connects your health, wellness, and love for Mama Earth. This podcast is sponsored by Cause Artists, the world's number one platform for social impact and innovation stories around the world. If you're looking to get inspired, hit us up at causeartists.com. And of course, I'm your host, Jasmine Rain, curator-in-chief at Curated Consciously and Social Entrepreneur. You can connect with me and our community on Instagram at curated consciously. Now roll your shoulders back, get comfy, put the coffee on. It is time to deep dive into some thought evoking conversation curated consciously.
1: It's been a while. You haven't been on the show for a few weeks. What's been happening?
2: Oh my goodness. Thanks for having me back. First and foremost, um, Yeah, it's been a time, it is getting very, very dark here as we go into the deep of winter of Alberta, Um, but I feel like you and I can really uh, relate in some sense, maybe not so much as light, but you're up in the mountains now, and we have a lot more similar weather these days.
1: Yeah, I think my phone, when I woke up late to your message. I think it said it was negative four and I was like really but I I really I don't think it is because the snow it snowed what three feet almost yesterday and it's like melting like crazy so it must and the sun's out so I feel like we're in the early stages of Alberta winter
2: (laughs) as am I my dear as am I oh what a time
1: but you've also been up to a lot. So you are currently in Drumheller finding dinosaur bones. Dinosaur capital of the world.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Actually, listeners, like, like she's not joking. Like she showed me. I think what was what dinosaur bone did you show me the other day that you got to keep?
2: Oh, a triceratops
1: bone. Yeah, no big deal. That's like the coolest no shit it
2: And we actually um, found uh, baby T. Rex teeth the other day.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, well, I deserve a photo of that as well. I'm curious. (laughs) I've always wanted some dinosaur bones. I just see cow bones in the mountains. Mm. Because, i I mean, this is really unfortunate, but they do just fall off the mountain and they can't get back up. And I did watch two dogs go at it for some cow meat. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's that's the thing about living where you are currently, um, especially in winter when. uh, there's less and less food to come by um the, the Himalayas all across the Himalayas. There's a big problem with wild dogs in the winter. So um good luck with that. Keep on safe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like wild dogs, bears, leopards, no big deal. And it's, it's also it's been so cute because like yesterday when we were walking in the snow, Amun was like, Wow, you're such a natural. And I was like, I was like, Yeah, I guess I am. Like I <laughs> I was born and raised in Canada. And And it was cute. Like, see, both of us were just, like, so excited about seeing snow. Like, I haven't seen snow in, what, three years. I was about to ask how long it's been. Yeah. I mean, last time I was home was Christmas 2017. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. That is so crazy. And, like, obviously, my life has completely changed since then. And now I'm, like married and all that shit and living in the mountains which leads us perfectly into our topic for today um so kelsey and i um honestly sometimes we really really plan these out sometimes we're like let's just jump on a call and see what happens kelsey suggested three killer topics today and i'm not going to like spoil the other ones because we're definitely going to record those um but you know we've been talking a lot about just like different aspects of our relationships and kind of these transitions especially during the pandemic since Kelsey's partner is on the other side of the world where I am and she is in Canada and mm. navigating all of the different like cultural aspects of our relationships and so we thought it'd be interesting to just dive into you know what interracial relationships are looking like right now and how we're feeling, how we're navigating them, seeing if there's a, there's parts there that we can relate to with our audience here since, um, I mean, it's 2020. I don't think I even know many people who are not in interracial relationships. Um, uh-huh. And Kelsey and I come from kind of different different angles from this because, you know, I am a mixed race woman who have, who's basically dated different racial people my whole life. I think I was, one, I was one time in a relationship with a mixed person, but that was a different mix always. So it's like, there was always so much like diversity in our relationships, I guess. So Kelsey, in terms of like your experience with, you know, um, dating, interacting with uh, individuals from different races in a romantic setting, um, you know, what does that look like for you historically up until now?
2: Yeah. Okay. We're diving in. Thank you for uh <laughs> for, for saying yes and to this topic today. I'm glad to be able to explore it with you, especially in 2020, um, where the, where there is so, so much going on currently. Um, my dating history, just in general, um, has always been quite limited, um, and that was on purpose, actually. Um, throughout my teenage years and all of my 20s, I was really intentional about being single. I had watched a lot of my friends and family members um, get, get married really young and commit to marriage really young, um, a lot out of societal pressure, whether it was Christianity or being from a rural setting in Alberta, um, which already is quite different from the Torontonian experience of yours jazz um, and so i I'd, I'd kind of observed these different relationships sort of fall of, of apart in their in their early 20s and I just had decided that I wasn't gonna do that I was gonna um focus on myself first and it got to this point where I was really um kind of rigid about being single like I was this, single, independent, self-sufficient person. Um, and and I'm still quite proud of that. And that's been a different thing that I've had to navigate um, in my relationship now. Um, and really my relationship with my current partner um is I would probably say like my first significant relationship, actually, if I was being honest. Um, which which I should be in in these in these chats with you. Yeah, please don't um, lie. I don't want you to lie. To me. <laughs> I don't do. We're not lying to the uh to the listeners here today, dear listeners. Um, yeah, and um, like that relationship specifically for me, um, was was something that I that I hadn't expected, but because of kind of two years leading up to that, I was really ready for. And I had moved back, I had moved to India in the spring of 2017. I think our listeners have heard that already. Um, But kind of actually before I left, now we're getting real, real, real honest. Um, Before I left Canada, I had said to myself that I wanted to lose my virginity. Um, and I wanted to go into the season of working in India with having this freedom of not, like, not having to think about sex and not having to think about, um, like, holding my virginity as, uh, I just, I, I it was time. It, it was time. It was the right time for me. And it was time for me to... Um, kind of what I might say, get it out of the way so that I could make room for the work that I wanted to do on our OG programs in India in the summer of 2017. Um, So I actually lost my virginity to a lovely, uh, (laughs) a lovely Lebanese man um, who We flirted over him serving me poutine a couple of times and, uh, some, some, some ice cream. He has like this little family shop and, uh, yeah, we just got flirting about it and it was the great St. Patrick's Day night, uh, which ended in me kind of being free and it was very, it was a very empowering experience, um, and it was a very liberating experience, and, and mostly because I felt like I I was in control of all of that, and I felt safe the entire time. Um, but I it it actually meant that when I went into my work in India, I I didn't have this drive of sexual tension in my own body. I was able to. Work with our hostel vendors and our tour organizers and our partners um, without kind of that uh, kind of that underlying current of am I attracted to you or not? Um, yeah, so maybe I'll just leave it there. We'll get we'll jump back onto that story of of how uh, from from there I'd been I I took about a, a bit of time uh, to be by myself again. Um, in the initial years of working in India
1: itself. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Kelsey. That's really like, uh, I love that you get so vulnerable on these as well, because I love making the safe space for this. Um, And I also really enjoyed that story because I remember you telling me that story on a bus from the Goa airport (laughs) to Goa Sunsplash in January, 2019. um, Oh, yes. Which was amazing. Um, But uh, you know, what I'm hearing here is that basically in order for you to do the work that you came to India for, which is, you know, fully immersing in these edu- these experiential education programs, really putting your, your all, your energy, your ent- all of the intention that you have into really ensuring that your participants were getting the most out of their program, you needed to ensure that you were satisfied and mentally ready, physically ready to take on that work. And I think that's so, so powerful because... Often we forget to be intentional about our needs before we enter some kind of program, school, new job, uh, relationship, like you need to be able to identify what your individual needs are before you go into that so that you can ensure that everything is mutual and respectful and that you're not putting, you know, especially in terms of like relationships and like intimacy, like you're not putting your you know sexual needs before like the work that you need to do because that would be just that would be like kind of chaotic yes. yeah yeah <laughs> and and we've seen it firsthand you know with other people um and how and how i mean i wouldn't say damaging but definitely uh definitely sorry my dog is uh playing with his his <laughs> toy beside me and i cannot stop him so and he's not bothering me so i have to let him go um but we've seen how, I don't know what the right word is, like just how, how much of an impact it has on an individual and how that kind of leaks out in other parts of, of their life, um, and in their, and in their yeah. work. So that's huge. Yeah. And
2: well, and and part of that too, um, is that it, for those who don't know, I had also been in India in 2010, the first time I was in India and, um, like you say, I had watched that dynamic play through in, um, people not taking care of those needs before they come into a vulnerable space. And then the kind of detriment left behind when, um, someone falls in love with a foreigner and then that foreigner had their two-week vacation and is now back in Canada or Australia. And so I had this fear of just really not wanting to be that engrési stereotype, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think this really speaks to the fact that like, you know, when you you know, we're both, we both traveled quite a bit. And, you know, when you get to a country, there's like this excitement, this, this, this kind of like naive aspect of yourself that you want to just kind of like take in everything. And, you know, it's really easy to get taken advantage of. It's really easy for, um, you know, relationships that are unwanted and were not intentional to form. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh my God, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And I think, so, (laughs) What What's so important in, in terms of this conversation is that, like, you know, it took us a, a like, you know, I, you first came to India in, what, 2010? I came in yeah. 2014 and then basically stayed from 2015 onwards, except for my one year at home. And, you know, it really, I was, I always felt like excluded like I like I wanted to I, I tried so hard especially because I was working in grassroots development like obviously in this smaller like migrant communities and stuff like it was I felt at home because I I felt like I was accepted and respected in those spaces which is also a little bit kind of icky to think of because obviously mm. no no uh, as a foreigner and as someone with light skin, there, that comes with a whole set of privilege in terms of like interacting with marginalized communities. That intentional time with the community to understand, kind of, you know, there's a saying that India lives in its villages, and like that's really where the the depth of culture uh, lies, and you can learn so much about the history of India there. And I feel like I needed to do that work first to truly understand how to embrace India for who, for for what it is, um, Mm. for who it is, its spirit and everything, um, so that I could actually build uh, strong, respectful relationships, not just with my partner, but like, which would be years later, uh, like five years later, or four four years later, um, for my first initial time here, but also in building friendships, because Mm. I have always found Like, I know we're talking specifically about interracial, like, romantic relationships, but I also have found, like, it took me, it took me up until, like, uh, 2017, 18 to really start building concrete relationships with, uh, like, Indian women and men in India um, Mm. because, like, there was you know, especially with this idea that like foreigners are always come and go, they're always, you know, they're here for a time, they're not. And, you know, that was something that was also really, really reflected in the community work that I was doing as well. Because, you know, if, you know, you've been to Gajnir, Gajnir is neighboring, like Gajanir is what inspired the Hot House project. And after, X amount of years of watching, you know, foreign volunteers and project managers and, you know, whatever's come into the community and and leave, they're like, well, fuck you. Like, I don't, I'm not going to accept you into my home. You guys keep leaving. Like, why am I building these bonds with you for you to leave? And I feel like still to this day, I always feel guilty because like, I am not doing a good enough job to like keep up my communication with the kids that I used to work with. And they're constantly calling me because that's just very much, that's is very much an Indian value, I find. It's just like to stay connected with the people that you love. is huge. And I feel like in the West, we're really shit at that. Like we just let go of communication and, and those values even, but you know, but, but we also get it. Like, you know, for example, like Charlotte and I's relationship, like we cannot talk for like three years and then she can just show up at my wedding in India. You know, it's, you know, that's something that we've built, but that doesn't exist here. So it's, <laughs> I know, right. It's so sweet. So you know, uh, I think I'm, I'm kind of digressing a little bit, but what I was trying to get to is the fact that like, we really needed to spend time with the communities and, and the people here to really understand the culture and dive deeper and even our OG programs because of the, the, the like nonprofit and, um, and like grassroots kind of organizations that we were interacting with. We needed to go through that learning journey for us to really start to understand how we could build out our life here. And that obviously includes, you know, having a romantic partner.
2: Yeah, 100% agree with all of that. And I would also like to add that um, part of that dynamic of the learning um, that both of us have gone through is the interplay between um, power and, and privilege because we have, but you talked a bit about the power that the color of your skin Gives you, especially in those rural villages in which we've both worked, um, and and so I think that for myself, I always felt uncertain about specifically romantic relationships in India because of of having that power role um, as a as a white person, like never being sure if somebody likes me for who I am or likes me for what I offer in their imagination um and 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 also professionally working with grassroots ngos in india that's the vulnerable sector we're working within the vulnerable sector and so there's that another added layer of privilege where professionally you're working with people who depend on your patronage depend on you bringing groups through but depend on the finances that you provide for their mission for their uh goals of their organization and um I think both of us have seen the fallout of what happens when that gets messier than maybe it should in quotation marks should in quotation marks yeah I I'm
1: I want to roll off of this idea of the privilege aspect as well because you know something that I uh ha- have observed obviously more recently in my 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 marriage. I'm oh, saying marriage is so weird when I say that. Um in your marriage. In my marriage. <laughs> um, but ultimately like thing that I've noticed is that um because my perspective, I guess, in terms of like between you and I, so like I mm. um, am a little bit darker, have have more kind of, uh, you know, West Indian and then even kind of Indian features. So I can kind of like, pa- I can like bypass as like an Indian or like, you know, people thought I'm from Dubai or like whatever. So I feel like the experiences have been so interesting, but yet I've still traveled and been in this country The same way that you travel, like we're on local buses, we're on local trains, we're taking the metro. We're super, super sustainable about how we travel, and also really intentional about, you know, really in, in really integrating into the community vibe and like how life works here, you know, and um and like I say intentional because it it obviously is, but at the same time it's like we've been living here, you know, this is this is just part of our lifestyle now. Um, it it it, would be the same at home. Uh, It's just bringing our values wherever we go. And, you know, something that I've noticed more and more is that, like, I still very much have, like, I'm getting a little bit bougier as I age (laughs) and as I settle here. But, you know, I still have these very, like, sustainable kind of, like, even backpacker type of, like, characteristics to myself where, you know, I'm totally, like, for example, uh, driving to Manali, um, you know, we drove in a car that we own. And, you know, I really had to go to the bathroom and, you know, Aman is like trying to figure out like, okay, well, where should she go to the bathroom? Like trying to find a toilet. And I was like, I was like, the gas station's right there. Just like, I'll just hop out and piss in the gas station. And he was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, like, I really don't care. And you know, it's funny because then it's like this idea of toilet privilege. And you know, for example, even okay, I Kelsey is dying laughing. You can't see her, but she's dying laughing on the other end of her camera. <laughs> but like another another time this came up is actually in Hada House. Like when when um when when Amon was coming to visit us at Hada House, I was like, We only have squat toilets. And he was like, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's so interesting to like observe that privilege um from like this different angle because I have always thought like Okay, like I actually have a lot of privilege in this in in this country, and like I don't want to take advantage of it. Um, but also, there's times where, unfortunately, I there's nothing I can do about it, and it's also become very helpful in my safety and like securing myself in this country, which is crazy. And we can get into that in a different in a different episode. But you know, mm. for example, like, Aman his like first train ride was with me. <laughs> so. Um, and, and- well, and just,
2: and just the, sorry to interject here, but the audience needs to know that the flip side of that, when we are traveling on trains or buses, specifically when we're traveling on buses, for that long of a journey, like, Jazz and I have stopped a bus before because of, like, not wanting to pee our pants and like have crawled over like uncles sleeping in the aisle and be like I don't care if it's the side of the road I'm gonna go pee and, like just the exact polar opposite of of the situation that you just described like of course I'm fine with a uh gas station bathroom I've <laughs> peed in much worse places on the road in India before
1: yeah, I, honestly, I actually. I know, side side note or tangent here, but I I sent you that photo. I recently got a notification of that bus ride that we took. It was like the worst bus ride ever from Bikaner to Delhi because we were try- We were like, let's just take a bus and see how it goes. And I forgot how horrible the buses are from Bikaner to Delhi. And Kelsey stopped. We stopped to pee, and Kelsey got a chai. And we had to like, yeah, we definitely had to climb over Sleeping Uncles. I felt like I was like in a jungle gym. I was like, okay, excuse me, excuse me. And Kelsey like gets back on the bus and she's trying to like drink her chai. And this bus is so shaky. And she's just like dripping this chai everywhere. And the photo, I'm going to have to post the photo with this episode because it's so funny. And I love it. I value that. I want to print it. and And like, she's just like, Struggling so hard, she looks like she's about to cry, but she's like bursting out in laughter, and there's like chai dripping everywhere. And she's like trying to use the curtain of her sleeper bunk to like secure her chai cup, and it's just it's just not working. It it just wasn't working. Um, but it was is a fabulous moment. But anyways, I digress. Oh,
2: Um. so fabulous. (laughs) But but I mean, yeah, but then to tie that back into what we're talking about now is is that understanding of the culture and the different ways in which we as foreigners have had the opportunity to walk through the the beauty of the different, like the different ways in which we've been able to walk through the beauty of India.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. So now I'm going to start shifting us away from kind of the beginning stages where we were at kind of navigating, you know, possibly dating, seeing people, whatever. Now I want to go more into kind of the next step. So now it's kind of like, entering relationships, uh, navigating the kind of complexities that come along with that, especially around like power and privilege and racism. Um, Because let's be honest, racism is rampant in India. Like it is actually insane the way that, uh, rate, like, like North Indians versus South Indians kind of thing. Like there's there. And like, that's just like a very broad example. There's so much more that dives into caste, religion, um, you know, color. practices, the color of your skin. And I think that's where, where I was kind of going with North and South, mm. Indians. South Indians are hysterically darker and North Indians are mm. light. Like, like, for example, my husband is as light as me. Um, yeah. and he's Punjabi, and you, like, it, it's crazy, and, you know, one of the things that I was really struggling with, and, like, I really talked to my mom a lot about, and even us before going into marriage, was this idea of, like, what if I'm not accepted? You know, you know, I come from the West. The West also has, like, kind of shitty stereotypes around it in terms of, like, what white girls represent, and, like, Hollywood, and, you know, you have to think that, you know, with so much of India's population being in middle class and, and below, um, you know, the, the only like interactions that a lot of people will have with the West is very much based through like porn and Hollywood. And like those, you know, those, the major industries that come from the West that showcase, you know, white women, um, in a very, in a, in a very stereotypical way. And, you know, I'm Uh, For those who know me, I'm pretty silly. I'm pretty, like, all over the place. I got a lot of empathy. Oh, you? Yeah. What? Yeah, I don't know. Who who am I talking about? And also, like, I look quite different. I mean, maybe not as much anymore, like, in, like, the West. But, like, you know, in India, I'm, like, this freckled, weird, olive-skinned girl with, like, massive curly hair and dark features. And it was interesting because I, like, I literally married into a family with, like, really light skin and like light features, although my husband's hairy as hell. But but you know, there's there was this this kind of traumatic time where I was constantly having like anxiety about like what happens if like my mother-in-law just hates me. So I, I actually only have my mother-in-law. Unfortunately, my father-in-law passed before I had the chance to meet him. Um but my mother-in-law, although you know the sweetest thing ever, so accepting like obviously I had no issues in, in the family, but I still um, you know, I don't, I don't speak Punjabi. I, I'm still learning. I'm basically learning at the same pace as the dog because, uh, <laughs> because my husband speaks to the dog in Punjabi and like, I'm still kind of navigating it. And we live in a community where people speak Hindi. So yeah. it's it's challenging to kind of navigate that aspect. But, you know, especially during the pandemic, like moving in with my mother-in-law and like navigating, you know, our, you know, our cultures like that were like clashing, not necessarily clashing, that sounds negative, but like trying to weave them together was really challenging especially and I actually uh last week because this this will get posted next week so last week uh you'll hear if you listen to the episode I did on how to have like a realistic zero waste lifestyle in 2020 I dive into like some of those aspects of like introducing kind of my lifestyle values into the family home and how like how challenging that was just because of like communication being like what the hell um my mother-in-law being like very uh very very like sanitation pro like she washes everything before it comes in the house and I'll just like eat a fucking apple off a cart um so there and and, you know and like toilet privilege comes a lot from that that kind of family setting as well because um you know my my husband's family has been you know Uh, has been really well they've been well off they've worked really hard you know my mother-in-law and father-in-law like moved from actually my mother-in-law basically told my father-in-law to uh, like let's go to Chandigarh for a honeymoon to escape the village and she like basically brought a stovetop and was like fuck you we're not leaving (laughs) and like we're building our family here and like building a home and that is insane you know like they went through they, they, you know, their families have, have seen the impacts of like full on for partition and and the riots. And, you know, it's it's insane to try and like connect on that. And like also this aspect of like coming from black culture and being like, mm-hmm. hey, like there's a lot of similarities here, but unfortunately I can't communicate with you on them. And I would love to dive deeper into that. And so like, you know, it's, it's like this thing of like wanting to connect so much and then like not really having the ability um, I feel like I started this sentence talking about like the sentence, this rant about being accepted into the family. And like, the thing is, is like, I have been, and I'm so, so grateful for that, but that's not always the case. That is not Mm. always the case. And I've seen this a lot also in in the West where, Mm. you know, an Indian woman or an Indian man marries a foreigner. And there is a lot of like craziness, you know, for example, I actually, um, a friend of mine, her roommate um, is Nepali. And she had to like, work really hard to like convince the parents of the guy she wanted to marry, who is, um, who's uh, Indian, but they're, bo- but they're both Hindu. Um, Like she, they had, she had to work so hard to convince the family to like let her marry that man. Uh, and they just got married, which is great. But it's like, what the hell? Like, that's insane that like, even in a context where uh the, the culture is similar, the religion is the same, but like the color of skin and the place of where you were born and maybe how the, the customs of where you grew up can impact the success of a relationship. Um, so so, so that's really, really crazy, but you know, what I actually want to dive into now as well, is because I love the way Kaus, I love the way you kind of dive into your kind of journey and not wanting to be this like stereotype in India. And I'd love for you to kind of go into what that experience has been like for you and, and, you know, how you kind of navigated that up until now.
2: Sure. Oh yeah. Um, first off, thank you for opening up about your experiences with navigating family roles that is never an easy or simple task, especially in a, a new marriage. Um, and so thanks for uh, allowing us to be part of that. Um, I, After my second season working with OG in India, I felt like I had known enough, I gleaned enough information to um, start to pick and choose who I might want to see around a little bit more. Um, and it was actually at this time talking about racism, it was at this time when I was when I would be on the phone with people back in Canada where I'd be like, oh, yeah, I had a one-night stand with this guy. This is what happened. This is what happened. Where I would start to get questions that I would consider to be insensitive from people in Canada, like, um, about this person's, like, um, even even if, if who I stayed with that night. Um, had had sent a sentence to me or something that I'd relay that to someone back in Canada and they would assume that it was um, abusive or harsh or um, you know these stereotypes that are cast on Indian men um, a lot of the time and just this like complete lack of understanding of what the culture is here and and who those people are in their communities, and what they're doing, um, what they are doing within their communities, and so I, I ended up, like, finding that I was filtering a lot of what I was saying, um, to people back in Canada, because I, I came from a place of understanding, uh, well, like, the easiest example, dear listeners, is, is the idea of, Honestly, like free love, which we can blame um, all of the hippies at the Osho <laughs> um, ashram for. Um, but, but there's, they're in when you're inside of backpacking culture, um, and and maybe you're staying at a hostel where um, a, kid, a young man works and he's moved to Rishikesh from the village. Then, then there's this constant kind of turning door of backpacker women. Um, And so they kind of get titled as these, these players. Um, And, and that's kind of like this normal thing. And so that's understanding when I was going into that being like, Oh, well, I know what the culture is between these guys at this hostel, and I know what the culture is between these guys at this hostel, and and my like intimate understanding of the workings of that, and having known these gentlemen for multiple years, and being able to navigate that with a lot of insight and intentionality. But then I go and I'm like, oh yeah, well that like they're sleeping with this person also, and people in Canada just being so offended. By that, of, as an example um, of one of the things that came across of just like not being able to understand the culture um, and not being understand not being able to understand what my role is in that culture and um, so like honestly when when you came into OG and um, you had been living in India for so long already and uh, both of us come from this background of of wanting of working within rural settings and really wanting to respect the position that we have in that it was like a light bulb moment of oh I could talk to this person about weird cultural dynamics and like things that were said out of sight and out of mind And this person will be able to approach that thing with the same understanding of the culture that I am. Um, And then also that we're both Canadian as well. Um, And so it was this very slow um, kind of process of like being very intentional of who I decided to partner with. And it was actually, like, I had gone through a bit of a self-destructive phase, if you remember Jasmine, uh, over the Christmas of 2018 and 2019. And I had had a one-night stand, and I decided it was during that go of sun slash weekend, that same weekend. Um, But I had had a one-night stand, and I woke up that morning, and I was like, you know what, Kelsey? You're better at being single, like just do that. You know how to do that. Um and two weeks later, I met the partner that I'm with now to this day, um, and figuring out how to get him to Canada. And like there, so there was this um kind of this really necessary step of that whole kind of 2018 year that I had to go through of um, exploring my own sexuality, but then also my own position in this place, so that when my partner came along, I knew that our values aligned. I knew that we had the same worldview, which was honestly shocking, um, and and knew that this was a person that I wanted to um, pursue more, t- having more time with, um, and and um kind of like i i was really quite amazed when um i ended up going to uh, his house cuz he's a very private person doesn't like to share anything with his friends much less his family um and so when i was in visiting in his um home city we ended up going to his mom's house and i wasn't sure if that was a thing that was going to happen we were still like within the first year of our relationship we would only just recently started to become sort of serious um and we went and we met his mom and she made us delicious food of course because auntie g cooking is the best um, and had a, had a lovely time and of course like as you were saying can't communicate with her at all and, <laughs> and it's and it's a, such a, pr- a pressure for our partners to have to continually be that translating factor um, which is uh, why we're learning it's why we're learning really. So after we had left and we had kind of been traveling around for a bit, I went back and I asked my partner about, that interaction and what his mom thought and um if i made a good impression or not and he had said well you're i don't bring anybody home you're the first person that i have brought home and i'm like oh is that a big deal and he's like well all my neighbors know now
1: <laughs> like Oh my God! The neighbors know it's real. It's a real thing now. The neighbors (laughs) know. That's the
2: point. Exactly. Um, And yeah, so it was just this. It was just this um, kind of like sweet little understanding of of where we were and and what that meant. And um, now, actually, just recently, um, when we're on video call that's what our life consists of now um when we're on video call i actually twice within the last week actually spoken to this mom also which never happened before just a wave just a, uh hello really how are cute. you
1: I didn't know that that's really cute
2: <laughs> it's really cute um yeah so I even find myself now um even, even though my partner is, is the right person for me and compliments me so well, um, I still do find myself kind of filtering our conversations or, um, our communication, the way that we communicate when it is with my Canadian family or friends who don't know India. Um, and, I, and I, I, I have kind of come to think of it as something that I'm doing to, like, protect us, even though there's nothing to hide in that. It's just the way that we communicate. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Mm, that's actually interesting. I'm curious, too, if that need to hide is because of, like, a bias or a stereotype uh, or like, not stereotype, like, uh, well, I guess stereotypes within, within interracial relationships, um, and, and kind of navigating two different cultures that you might be kind of filtering more than you need to.
2: I probably think that, I do think that I am protecting it a little bit too much, and it's probably just residual feelings of, um, how I was operating before, and, I I think that part of it might be because my partner is on the other side of the world and we haven't been able to do life together yet. I am the sole representation of who my partner is to everybody in Canada. And, and so what I forgot to mention right is now that is through my story. One of the demographics in which I have have Receive the most amount of scrutiny towards my partner is actually in talking with my female Indian friends. And so when I say, oh, yeah, I, of course, I'm in a partnership and uh, my person is Indian, they go, oh, really? Uh, Are you sure that that's safe? Are you sure that that's a good guy? Have you met his friends? Have you met his family? you like Indian guys don't care about relationships and like actually quite brutal towards uh, my partner and um, I know I know that that's something that's that's ingrained in because of their own experience with their own boyfriends or husbands or um, what whatever experience they've gone through, the media Bollywood, um, also being a huge impact. Um, and i've I've had on at least four different occasions, um, very well-meaning, lovely friends really question the integrity of my partner. And so I think that there's a lot of uh,
1: there there it
2: kind of feels like I want to protect them from all of that in every single direction.
1: Yeah, I I can relate to that as well. I feel like uh, Indian women are very hard on Indian men. Uh, And also vice versa. I mean, I don't wanna, I think this isn't the right time to maybe dive into this, but like, I feel like we have a decent amount of Indian male friends who strategically choose not to date Indian women for the most ridiculous reasons and um maybe this would be a good episode to do with like mansi or something like that like bring on someone who can kind of understand where we're coming from um if if you haven't listened to the episode with mansi that one's great it's talking about kind of navigating the old and new india in like the gen x uh generation and like how to kind of navigate this like the traditions of like your family but like living in a modern world Um,
0: But uh...
2: absolutely, I would agree with doing a part two, because one of the things that you and I have talked about in depth before is that, that feeling too of living in India, wanting to be an, an ally and a support to Indian women. Um, and feeling like it's really hard to do that while dating an Indian men. You're like, well, I'm, I'm dating part of the population. I have this freedom to date this man in a way that you don't have a freedom to date this man or any other Indian men. And so, um, yeah, I would be all for a part two of this with uh, with Monsi, for sure.
1: Done. Something else that you were referring to that I really resonate with, obviously only X amount of people from Canada were able to come to the wedding and, you know, you know, whatever that it it feels like a responsibility, like it's our responsibility Mm. to showcase our partner in a specific light because like, you know, most people and in your case, nobody has met them and you want to ensure that you're nurturing this kind of like transition from Uh, not knowing who your, that your partner is, but making sure that people understand who they are and kind of their core values and what they represent. And, but most of the time, that's really just you. It's like you just, it's like you're, you're, you're communicating who your partner is based on who you are. Um, I, and I, I I can, I can really relate to that because I actually feel like sometimes people are like, how's Amon, for example. And I'm just like, uh, And I, and I, like, the first thing I do is, like, you know, I'm, like, almonds great, but, like, what, what do you want to know? So, like, you know, it's, like, it's, like, going back to that conversation around, like, when people are, like, oh, you just came back from India after five years. How was it? Great, you know? Like, you know, it's, like, how do I dive into this in a way that makes you understand who my partner is, the type of relationship that we have, but at the same time, I'm, like, Is it worth wasting all of my breath to like go into that? Because like, how am I gonna explain to you in a five-minute phone call or even an hour phone call like the relationship and 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 the the connection and the intimacy and the special you know beautiful connection that I have with my partner? I I can't share that with you. Like, you're you're gonna have to observe it. And there's not there's not really any way for me to communicate that. And especially for people who don't understand Indian culture, like you know, for example. Uh, this weekend was Diwali and happy and I, Diwali. Thank you. Happy Diwali. And it was Amun and I's first Diwali. Cause we, we have not, I think last year, uh, he had, he wasn't at hot house. No. In time, and the year before that he was at Magnetic Fields. Um, but, <laughs> but basically, you know, that, you know, that's something that it was so special to us. And it was so, so cute that my aunt reached out and was like, happy Diwali, like happy first Diwali. Or like my sister-in-laws reached out and were like happy first Diwali because they understood kind of the the beauty and the really like special aspect of it being our first Diwali. But like, I don't even think my mother really understood that or like, you know, nobody, mm. none of my friends would understand that. But for, for me and Amman, it was a big deal. Like, you know, to me, yeah. I still am like, what a special, a special day because it was our first Diwali to together. Um, sorry, I wanted to kind of just go back to something. I want to go back to kind of the beginning of your process because you didn't touch on it yet. And I just think it's so, so powerful because it's so relatable for other um, mm. other individuals who are traveling and, you know, then, you know, find their partner and like, Feel kind of stuck in this trap so we kind of talked about this back, yeah. back then. we talked about the, the you know the white girl stereotype and like the aspect of like how the east might interpret the west based on you know what they know in mass media which is again hollywood and porn that's the way i like to put it um so you know there was this time that you know you had already met your partner We were going back and forth to Delhi and Bikarir a lot because there was a lot of tours and stuff happening for Hada World and just our friends and, you know, our community. Um, And, you know, we were standing on the platform and you got so vulnerable with me about, you know, observing these kind of like stereotype hippie, you know, foreigners who come here for a month and like... You know, and we've seen it firsthand. We've had friends who are on the other end, the other, the, on the receiving end of this. Like a woman, some beautiful French, Spanish, Israeli woman. Like oh, they're
2: so gorgeous.
1: Yeah, they're they're these amazing humans. They've come here, and I mean, I don't want to trigger anyone by saying this, but usually, you know, that individual has come here. To kind of shed themselves of some kind of thing, like they're here for some kind of healing purpose, or they needed to escape, and they needed some kind of spiritual, you know, connection in India. And
2: India has that power.
1: Exactly. It does. And you know, on that kind of journey, they meet their who they meet whoever, and you know, they go on this like romantic adventure, and then they, you know, they end up leaving, and maybe, maybe they come yeah. back. Like we've seen it. The thing is, is like. Yeah. The reason it's so hard to like look at it is because we have friends who have been on the receiving end of this who are constantly heartbroken because they keep falling for the traveler women who come for two weeks and say they're going to come back and they never do. Um, yeah. and, and, and we see that heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then as, as the foreign women being like, oh my God, I never want to be that person. And I never want to be seen as that person who's just like stringing along some like, you know, handsome dude in the market, kind of thing, and then like, or, or that's not us. I, that's like a horrible analogy. But like, they, you know, trying to navigate relationships after you might leave, or like when you're staying and not wanting to be seen as this, like, oh, she's just another white girl type of thing.
2: Totally. And that moment that you are talking about, where we where we
1: opened this
2: conversation up as we were waiting for the train, to Near. Um, that was really a a quite pivotal moment for me in the journey with my partner to look at my own righteousness and my own like self importance um big because i i have my own um judgments about about these backpacker people both men and women do it um but uh, yeah, looking, it was, it was right after I had kind of observed this, I think just that morning of an Indian guy taking around a foreign women woman um, and like being the guide and being that person. And, and I, I saw myself in that foreigner and um, and it terrified me quite honestly um, because of all of the previous work that had been done about not wanting to reinforce fetishes or reinforce stereotypes or re or break hearts or, you know whatever that is um, of not wanting to be that person and then and then just this immense amount of fear of like have now that i am in this community like is is there a difference when i'm walking down the street with my partner who is indian when we're together nobody on the street knows that we're in a long-term committed relationship um so do i look exactly like these Temporary foreign backpacker heartbreakers,
1: yeah, and I can relate to that as well in like you know, because I Aman and I were both like in very different parts of India and like having to travel back and forth and like feeling like, oh, like am I seen as that woman and and it's actually really damaging because it's like we shouldn't be having to dive into that, honestly, because it's like, it's, it's our individual life. It's our relationship. And why do we feel like the need to have to compare to this stereotype that we're so fearful of? Um, but at the same time, we, I feel like that is also deeply rooted in this idea of also wanting to be accepted because Mm. we live here and, you know, we've been here for so long and no, not wanting to be seen as just another traveler, but wanting to see, be seen as, like, a respected member of society in this country that contributes to the good of its growth. And we're not just here to, like, get high in Manali and, like, <laughs> you know, that's it, you know, and then, and then go home. Um, so
2: Find ourselves, do our yoga teacher training and go home. Ha, <laughs> ha.
1: I feel like I'm navigating that every day. Um, well, you know, and the thing is, it is like, uh, it's a journey. It's a journey because the thing is, is regardless, a partnership is you're constantly evolving, constantly growing, constantly diving into the shit. And, you know, when you're with a partner who comes from just such a different upbringing Different language, different culture, different religion. There is so much to navigate there, and like I'll be honest, like me and Aman, like we have, we our communication is sometimes so shit because, and you know, one of the reasons being, well, first of all, I'm like super high anxiety and uh, crazy, so that's a that's a whole other story. But on top of that, is you know, Aman is is trans, so Aman is is in a marriage that's primary language is his second language. Mm -hmm. so he is constantly translating from Punjabi to English and we've noticed kind of more recently so like obviously since lockdown because we've been navigating so much and we like basically went into lockdown after marriage um you know basically marriage
2: in hyperdrive yeah yeah, I'm
1: like "Ah!" it was already going to be a lockdown but now it's a real lockdown (laughs) but you know translating from Punjabi which I have now understood to be more of like a very direct forward um often kind of aggressive very like flex ego based um language and also um you know and because it's so forward sometimes things just come across and you're just like whoa that's so rude but in Punjabi it would have just been like whatever um like For example, this is a really silly example, but I can't think of another thing at the moment. Like uh, we were joking with my mother-in-law once and we were like, yeah, we'll have kids in 10 years. And she was like, I think I'm saying this correctly, like dubmer, which means like drown and die, is what she said. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was like, it wasn't said with like a giggle or anything. She was just like drown and die and like walked away. And I think that's like a perfect uh, example of how like, Alman might be, Kelsey's dying again. How Alman might like wanting be wanting to translate something to me um, in just like a really direct forward way so that I understand it clearly, but it can come off as like aggress- aggressive aggressive. Um, and it's not even his it might not even be his tone. It's just the words that he's using. Or maybe it is the tone because the Punjabi tone has a lot of emphasis in it. And like if he's trying to, and he's fluent in English. He's, like, more fluent than I am. And he has, like, a British accent a little bit. So, you know, it's, like, sometimes that comes across in a way where I'm, like, whoa, like, that is not cool. And that can turn into, like, this huge spiral just because, like, I didn't take the time to think about, okay, like, I need to think about how this might have been communicated in Punjabi and then understand where he's coming, where he's trying to get to in English. Whereas he is already every day challenged by the fact that he needs to translate everything before he communicates to me and then on top of that has to think of has to think of tone context uh you know my sensitivity how to be empathetic with how i'm feeling and it's a lot and it's a lot and that's why it takes so much work on both sides which is why like you know uh, we I feel like every day we're kind of exploring how to do that better, which is, which is fantastic and, and, but it's also such a journey and it can get frustrating because sometimes you just want something done a certain way or something said a certain way, or like, you know how, you know, you know, when you're like in those situations where you're like, oh my God, I'm so like, I'm just so sad. Or maybe you're like PMSing and you're just like, I just need someone to tell me I'm beautiful. And you know you don't get that answer that you're looking for because it's like being translated differently, or it's just like not being understood of what you want, and you're also not communicating that clearly. Um, it's it's massive. So yeah, that's kind of like my reflections there with communication. Um, but uh, and and I think body language, obviously, body language is like one of the most needed kind of parts of communication to really understand where someone's coming from. That's that's huge as well. Um, so sometimes it's actually become easier if uh, Al and I are trying trying to communicate something and our body language is is um, is directed towards the intention of of what we're trying to say. It makes it mm. a lot easier. But if I yeah. but like if we're if we're having like a debate for example like we get into debates about like sustainability and culture and everything like all the time we're like perfect for for the for, we're perfect for each other in that sense well we're perfect for each other in a lot of reasons but i don't want to get gushy on this but, Gross. Know, if if we're having if we're having a debate about i don't know uh plastic bags and you know instead of and and we're both he's, he's translating and I'm like getting in, like I get really intense sometimes in conversations around sustainability. And let's say mm. my body language is like very much like away, and like, I'm just kind of like getting upset in my body because it's like this topic that I don't know if it's plastic bags specifically, but just in terms of sustainability, like it's a topic that really gets my body and my temperature, like, fueled because it's something that I'm passionate about. I want to, environmental justice is, like, what I live my life towards, and sometimes, like, we'll get into argue or, like, arguments, there are debates that turn into arguments because mm. there's just simple things that we could be changing about our body language or our tone or the words that we're using to empathize with each other that would make that, that conversation easier, mm. um, and the thing is, is, like, in the moment, you end up just getting frustrated because everyone, like, no matter what partnership you're in like you're always going to get frustrated and there's always going to be miscommunication and and arguments that lead to you know whatever but if you can reflect you know take the tangible time afterwards to reflect on these things and i feel like almond can hear me have this conversation so i'm sure he'll laugh at me after um about like going into this deeper but reflecting on this later you realize like oh my god this is so silly because it's so obvious that these small little things we both are aware of them we both know that they're happening but if we just Took, took a little bit more time and were more patient about navigating these conversations and realizing that these are the trends uh, that we're seeing and how to kind of navigate those, you know, it would make a huge impact on the way we, that we communicate. And that's something that we've been seeing more and more, um, like getting, that's been improving more and more as as we are maturing in our relationship.
2: That's so good and so impressive and such a necessary piece. Um, and I, wanted to off of that I wanted to highlight something that I that I saw um just actually yesterday I think it was um that was like an encouragement for people in interracial relationships um and it's a it's like kind of the Instagram caption underneath the post was like, "I'm not saying I I'm not for interracial relationships, but if you're in an interracial relationship, I am for you being intentional and you being intentional about knowing where the the power lies, whether it's in skin tone or class or roles. Roles is a huge one for any relationship, gender or otherwise." Um, and, and just the the work that you've just described that you and your husband have had to do recently around communication and that understanding of the way that the other person's brain works in terms of language and communication really reminded me of that, that, that post, like I am for intentional interracial relationships. Yeah, a
1: hundred percent. And. I mean, I you know, I know this is the, obviously the topic of the day, but just in terms of any relationship, there needs to be intention. There needs mm. to be, but obviously even more so in interracial relationships because there is just so much more understanding and and more learning that needs to be done so that you can get to a sense of understanding, and then then navigate how to support each other in kind of these dynamics.
2: Totally, and there and there are just for listeners, like, I also know people who, like, I know uh, a couple of people who uh, refuse to have even just friendships with white folk because it's too emotionally draining for them. Um, And so just a reminder to anyone that, like, part of that intentionality is knowing where your own boundaries lie in that. And, like, for some of us, it might be choosing to be in a romantic relationship and a lifelong partnership. And for others of us, it might be, you know what? White folk are way too much work. I'm not going to talk to them unless, it's, unless I have to for professional reasons. Right. So just that like intentionality also goes back to taking care of yourself and your self-care needs. And, and in that, when we're talking about that within any like inter interracial relationship, but especially like romantic interracial relationships that part of that is that need for reflection um in in knowing what are my self-care needs where and where do I need to ask my partner for help in this journey that we're doing together? A hundred
1: percent, like it's you know, we all have an ego. We all want to be right.
0: <laughs> but, you know,
1: in order for us to build mutual, respectful, intentional, long-term relationships, uh, specifically in interracial relationships, there it, it's work. It's work. Relationships are work. And You have to be willing to do the work, and yeah, sometimes it fucking sucks and it's hard, and you're like, "F this! I don't want to do any work. I just want to sleep and eat a cookie," you know, like. But you like, in order to move forward, it needs to be done, and you know, I, we've been, we've been, I was like, kelse we need to make sure these episodes are like 45 minutes. It's been like an hour and a half. Um, we have stuff to cut out. There's stuff to cut out. That's true. That's true. But I like, just to kind of help us wrap up, wrap up and respect, uh, respect each other's time. Cause I know it's getting late there. Um, and I smell really bad cause I haven't had water in a day and <laughs> like sitting here, I'm just like, I need to shower. Um, I'm curious, you know, is there anything that you want to like reflect on in terms of communication with your partner and kind of leading into kind of goals or like you know observations that you've made in terms of moving forward and nurturing um, you know, open, unbiased, unfiltered communication with your partner? Because I feel like once, you know, and, and that's a journey, like that that's a lifelong journey, but nurturing that with your partner also helps, I feel like, for both of us in terms of communicating who we are, who our partner is, and what who we are as a partnership um, to our communities that might not understand the cultural t- context and haven't met the individual and are trying to kind of wrap their heads around, like, what does your relationship look like?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what initially comes to mind um, is just the reflection that whenever there has been language miscommunication once we figured it out it's such a like obvious light bulb moment and it and like all of the misunderstanding and miscommunication and like how could you think that completely disappears and we just like end up laughing and be like oh so we were saying the same thing the whole time we just have different definitions of this really Ambiguous English word. Great, fantastic. <laughs> um, English is stupid. Cool. I'll work on my Hindi. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, just like remembering that, like most of the time where we start to disagree, it's because we don't have the same definition of of the word that we're talking about and so just keeping that more mindful and more present and just like having grace like going back to that idea of what stereotypes are you perpetuating or not perpetuating and and what kind of power do you have or not have um I think one of the biggest things for me in in my relationship with my partner is is that whether it's ego or righteousness, um, depends on what you want to call it based on your worldview, I guess. Um, just taking care of that, um, a little bit more and, um, making sure that, that, righteousness is is kind of kept in check and um it's one of the things that my partner's really good at <laughs> you know um and and so when I'm feeling that tension or that anxiety or that uncertainty and um, feeling like uh it especially comes when I'm when we're out in public together in India um just taking a moment to remember that people are not thinking about me in the same amount that I am thinking about me. Right. Um, And just having a little bit more grace and compassion um, because in the end, our love is a beautiful thing, no matter who we get to share that with. And, um, and, and the world is so lucky to have us in it, to love other people and love ourselves and love our communities. Um, and, and so remembering that if we're, if me and my partner are walking down the street together, that like, this is an incredible thing. And, and especially in a, in a time where we've been separated now for very, almost a year oh, gosh, it's coming up on a year really quickly. Um, but in a time where we've been separated for so long, um, like, oh, what a privilege it would be to be walking down the street together, living in the same house, or be at a restaurant together, riding a bus together. Um, and so just holding that with a lot more reverence than judgment um, always and uh i think those are the the big ones for me but i will keep that where it is
0: that's really beautiful
1: kels you know i i find that sometimes we don't um we forget to cherish these like really small small activities and moments and and experiences that can really make such a difference Um, in our relationships. And I feel like, you know, although uh, I feel like a lot of people can actually relate to uh, what you're going through this year because I'm sure a lot of people have been separated from loved ones since the pandemic Mm -hmm. began. Um, And although you were intentionally going home in April, May, like you were forced out. And I'll link back to the episode about Kelsey's experience with that if anyone's interested in listening, if you haven't listened to that episode yet. I think it's really beautiful that... Uh, not only have are you really um, I don't want to say successfully navigating because that sounds so lame, but you've been able to to navigate in a in a really nurturing, mature, respectful way, not only an interracial relationship, but a but a long distance relationship with long term goals that are going to transform the future of both of you. Um, And, you know, I feel like in terms of communication and um, being intentional about about every conversation and every action that leads up to kind of your next steps as a partnership is in such a crucial phase right now um, as, you know, for example, because, you know, you're moving your partner to Canada Um, and I think it's so beautiful that even in this time that can be really stressful and like, it's definitely a time where it's easy for people to be misunderstood, to get frustrated, to get upset, for things to be like, oh, fuck it. It's not worth it. You know, like it's really easy to give up. It's so easy to give up and not dive into understanding, not doing the work with each other to really move forward. And I think that you're such a great example. You're such a pillar for like, like a role model for that. It's funny because you wrote role models. And I was like, you're a role model in that because you, but I, I think I think this also leads back kind of to the beginning of the conversation. So taking this podcast episode full circle is the self-work that needs to be done in order to nurture a successful, happy, long-term relationship. You know, it, it, you have to do it, you know? And I, I feel like, um, you know, I still feel like holy shit, I got married really young. Like I got married at at, at 28, right? How old am I? Yeah. Yeah. No, I got married at wait, 27. Because I, I just turned 28.
2: 27.
1: And, and, and I'm like, fuck, was I even ready? Like, you know, there's there's times where I think about that, and it, it has nothing to do with my partner. It's it's about like me. Like, did I do enough work mm. on myself? Like, am I ready for this? Like, you know, what what areas do I still need to improve so that I can be um even more of me in my marriage? And um you know, and, and, you know, obviously as I've gone through it, it's like, oh, well, fuck yeah, there's always going to be work to be done. Like I never, I obviously didn't do all of the work. I'm not a perfect human. There's so much I want to learn and so many different areas of myself. I want to grow, but, you know, entering this long-term relationship, being with an interracial partner and having such a love for diving deep into history and culture and religion. And it's, it's actually how it's, it's helping me become uh, a better version of myself, and I feel like my partner is a big, big part of that in helping me become a version of myself because they have done so much self work and they have invested so much in their in in their wisdom and in their energy and what they want to bring to this world, um, and that's really, really inspired me, and I am I'm, I'm excited. Like I feel like I'm getting gushy now, but like I'm at, I'm excited for what's next in terms of for both of us in terms of our relationships moving forward. And I'm I'd also love to hear from listeners, like if you are in an interracial relationship, especially a long-term relationship, or if you're currently in a relationship um, that is not only interracial, but you're like in different parts of the world. And, and I know that's, you know, that's a that's a common for a lot of people, please write in and let us know, um, you know, what you're going through. If you, if you want to like dive into certain topics deeper, um, you know, we you can you can comment on the show on curatedconsciously.co slash podcast. You can listen to all of our podcast episodes and you can just communicate with us right through the podcast, uh, through the website platform. Uh, but of course, you can reach out to us on Instagram at uh, curatedconsciously. Uh, you can connect with us uh, with your comments on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, actually, I don't think you can comment on Spotify. I'm, I'm clearly not very tech savvy. But um, Kelsey and I are here to, like this is, again, yes. this is an open space to communicate all of, all of these kind of, deeper needs of work that we all have to do and um yeah to also just hear your reflections and um I feel like I've been kind of shit at, at doing reflection questions after each episode but there will definitely be great, great reflections for this because it's it's such a deep one to dive into um but uh yeah so we'll, we'll, so please like this circle is open uh you are invited to make space to, uh, to have your voice heard and for us to just listen.
0: Inhale the goodness, exhale the bullshit. Thank you for listening and thank you for doing the work. Be sure to jump over to curatedconsciously.co for more stories, tips, and inspiration for nurturing your conscious living journey. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at curatedconsciously. Huge shout out to My Incredible Husband Profound Sound for the original dope tracks. Hope you all enjoyed, are feeling a little lighter, and are going into a beautiful and blessed day.